Good morning, Parkview. How are we doing? Good? Good, good, good. Great to see everybody today. I'm glad you've made the choice, carved out some time uh, this weekend to be around Parkview. We are launching into this brand new series on the life of Jonah. It's going to be an incredible time of study uh, here in the next few weeks as we look at his life. And to get us all headed in the same direction as we start this series, let me ask you this. Uh, When you were little or when you were younger, did you ever think about in your mind, did you ever contemplate or actually attempt to run away from home? Did, did you ever try and do this? Did you ever try and run away from home? When I was a little kid, I tried several times. Maybe the first time I can remember, actually, I was maybe eight years old or so, uh, kindergarten, first grade-ish, maybe second grade, and uh, I, I don't know exactly what was going on in my life, but I was already very upset with my parents. You know, we just weren't you know, seeing things eye to eye, and so I literally went out in the backyard, and I got a stick out of our backyard. I brought it into my room. I got out a bandana. I put some of my best toys in the bandana, and then I tied it up with that stick, just like you would see in a TV show or something like that. And then I took off for a lake that was about three blocks from our house. And my idea in my mind was I was going to head to that lake, and I wasn't going to just stay there for a few hours or even a day. I was going to stay there for like four or five days or, or maybe a week or, or maybe like two weeks. You know, I was going to live off the land, you know, kind of thing. It's an eight-year-old. And I was going to wait until my parents really missed me and they were really upset and I could really make my point. And then I was going to head on back home. That was the whole idea I had in my mind. To make a long story medium length, what happened was, is... uh, I started to get hungry, and uh, I'd only been there about an hour, hour and a half at the lake. I started to get hungry. It started to get hot. Uh, It was Kansas where I was living. It was the middle of the summer. It was very humid, and so soon after I got to the lake, I already found myself, this is true, I tried to sneak back home, and I found myself in my room, sitting on my bed, playing with my toys before my mom even knew that I had run away. Okay, so I share that with you just to let you know that I was not very good at running away from home. Okay, I wasn't very successful at running away from home. But I'll tell you something in my life that I have been far more successful at. And that is running away from God. There have been several seasons of my life that I have tried to go my own way instead of follow God's leading for my life. Maybe the most profound was when I was like 18 years old and I was headed to college. I knew that God was calling me into the ministry. I knew he wanted me to work in a church, but I was also playing soccer and I really wanted to play sports. And that's when my college choice and my calling in life kind of collided. I knew God was calling me to this small little Christian college about 90 miles to the west of where I lived in Kansas City. But instead of going there, I ran about nine hours north of Kansas City to the big city of Chicago. And I came up here and I went to school and I played soccer. And I want you to know there's nothing wrong with the school that I was at. There's nothing wrong with playing sports in college or anything like that. The issue is that I was running from God and his leading in my life. It took me a few months and I finally, you know, realized that maybe that wasn't the best place for me and I need to figure out how to get back to that Christian college in Manhattan, Kansas. So it took me a few months to do that, but by the end of that year I, I did and was headed back to that school. Well, let me ask you this, Parkview. Do you ever feel like you've tried to run away from God? 
Have you ever had something that you knew God was calling you to do in your life? Something God was leading you to do, but you just didn't really want to do it? At least not right now. So you decide to run from him? I think we've all probably had seasons like that in our life. One or two or ten seasons where we're trying to run from God. And that's why I love this guy named Jonah. Jonah is probably the most famous runner of all time. And we're going to spend the next few weeks diving into his life and learning some lessons for our lives. If you have a Bible with you today, I want to ask you to grab that Bible. If you have a smartphone or a tablet, however you locate scripture. If if you have a Bible with you, uh, Jonah, we're going to be in chapter 1 all day, so I'd love for you to find that. Uh, It's in the Old Testament of the Bible. The book of Jonah is right in between like uh, Obadiah and Micah in the Old Testament of the Bible. And I know, you know, right now some of you are thinking, thank you for that so much, Todd, because that was so helpful. I mean, I was just reading Obadiah yesterday afternoon, and so now I know exactly where Jonah's at. That was, thank you. Um, So I know, it's hard to find, but use your table of contents, right? There's no shame in that at all. So try and find the book of Jonah, and then we're going to read it in just a moment. But let me just tell you this. Uh, Whether you've been in church a long time or just a little bit, you've probably heard the story of Jonah, and you may have you know, kind of wonder about it. Did this really happen? I mean, did somebody really, you know, get, get in the sea and fall in and get in a fish for whoever, how many days? And does that kind of thing really happen? And I want you to know that there's a whole lot more to the story of Jonah than just him being in a fish. There's a lot more things we're going to learn. But I also want you to know that I personally believe in the story of Jonah. As we embark on this series, I want you to know that. I believe in it just as it was written in the Bible. And I believe in it for a couple of reasons. First of all, I believe in Jonah because Jesus believed in Jonah. In Matthew chapter 12, in the New Testament of the Bible, Jesus talks about Jonah as a real person, as a historical figure, as something that really happened. And so I just kind of have this thing in my life that if Jesus believes something, I believe it. If whatever Jesus says, I just kind of go with that. And so I believe in Jonah. The other reason I believe in Jonah and what God did is because I believe in a huge, big God. Somebody say Amen. Right? A big God who created like this whole world, this whole universe. And if God can create this entire universe and create you and me, then he can definitely create a fish that's big enough or some kind of animal to capture this guy for three days and, and he can live in there. That's, that's pretty miraculous and strange, I know. But think about it. God has already done something amazing and miraculous in every single one of our lives in the fact that not just for three days, but for like nine months, he kept us alive inside of our mom's. Right? I mean, that's pretty wild too, isn't it? When you start thinking about what God can do in our lives, that's, that's pretty crazy. It's a pretty miraculous story. The book of Jonah also, by the way, is just four chapters long. It's just 48 verses total. It's just two pages in your Bible. If these two pages stick together, you'll miss the whole book. Okay? It's short. 48 verses total. But yet in these 48 verses, it tells the story of pretty much all of our lives. Because you see, most of us can look back on some time in our life where we have attempted to run away from God and his leading in our lives. And what many, many of us runners have discovered is this, that you can run from God, but you can't outrun God. Of course you can run from him, but you can't outrun him. And what I want to do is I want to read Jonah chapter 1. It's just 17 verses, and I want to read the whole chapter, and then we're going to pray and dive into some lessons from chapter 1 for our lives. So chapter 1, verse 1. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. 
Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Everybody say Tarshish. It's just fun to say, isn't it? Tarshish. You can just say that all week long. Where are you headed? I'm headed to Tarshish. That's where I'm going. You're going to the grocery store. Nope, Tarshish. I'm going to Tarshish. It's just, it's fun. Anyway, that's where he went. He went to Tarshish and he went down to Joppa where he found a ship and bound for that port. And he paid the fare and went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. And then the Lord sent a great wind to the sea. And such a violent storm rose up that the ship threatened to break up. And the sailors were afraid and each cried out to their own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah, get this, Jonah had gone below deck where he laid down and fell into a deep sleep. And the captain went down to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he'll take notice of us and we will not perish. And then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots and find out who is responsible for this calamity. And they cast lots and it fell on Jonah. And so they asked him, tell us who's responsible for making this trouble for us. What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. And this terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? And then it says in parentheses, they knew he was running from the Lord because he'd already told them so. And then the sea grew rougher and rougher, so they asked, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault the Lord has brought this great storm upon you. But in verse 13, instead of doing that, instead they tried their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. And then they cried out to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, O Lord, have done as you pleased." And then they took Jonah, and they said a one, and a two, and a three. No, that's not in there. Sorry, that, that, that part. I think they, they may have done that because they needed, anyway, don't tell your kids about that. They, they, they took him, and they threw him overboard into the raging sea, and it grew calm. And at this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered sacrifice to the Lord, and they made vows to him. Verse 17, but the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. That's Jonah chapter 1. Let's pray. God, thanks for this. Thanks for the story of Jonah. Thanks for your word. God, a lot of us have heard this story a lot of our lives. But I pray today that you would open our eyes, open our ears, give us fresh insights by your power and your spirit that we can apply to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're taking notes today, writing some things down, there are three different things I want us to see from Jonah's life that we can apply to our lives. When we start running from God, when we start not following his leading, here's the first thing that happens. We run to some odd and unsafe places. When we take off on our own, we can go to some pretty odd and unsafe places. I want you to see uh, the geography of Jonah and what he's up to at this point in his life. So I want to put a map up here. It's important for you to understand. Jonah, as we begin chapter 1, is right down here in Joppa. And this is like a port area on the Mediterranean Sea. It's modern-day Tel Aviv, Israel. So if you've ever been to the Holy Lands or something like that, you've probably stood right down there in Joppa on the port of the Mediterranean Sea. And God is calling him to go to Nineveh. Nineveh is about 500, 550 miles to the north and to the east of where Jonah's at in Joppa. Nineveh is one of the most powerful cities in the known world. 
Uh, it's the capital of the Assyrian people. Uh, Bible scholars would say that there's between maybe 600,000, sometimes up to a million people who live in Nineveh. And here's what you also got to know about them. The Assyrian people are like the arch enemy of Jonah's people, the Israelite people. Jonah would have grown up hearing stories about how vicious these people were. And they were vicious. I've got all kinds of things in my notes that I could share with you today, historically speaking about the Assyrian people when they conquered people and that sort of thing. And I won't share all of those with you uh, today, uh, but just one thing about them so you can understand this. They became experts when they would capture people at taking the skin off of them but keeping them alive. They would skin people alive. They became experts at this. So, So Jonah really didn't want to go to Nineveh. Surprise? Right? He, he felt like they were terrorists, basically. That, that's not where he wanted to be. And, and Jonah and his people were probably actually praying for God to destroy Nineveh, just like he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. But yet this is exactly where God sends him. And what happens is this. The way God saw Nineveh and the way Jonah saw Nineveh were two very different things. And so Jonah decided to do what we do a lot of times when we don't see eye to eye with God. He decided to head off in his own direction. And so here's what happens. He decides not to go up here to Nineveh, but he decides to take off from Joppa and get on this boat and travel all the way over here to Tarshish. Tarshish is like uh, the the, the tip of Spain. Tarshish was, was 1,500 or 2,000 miles away. What you have to realize in your mind of the, of the world in this day and age, Tarshish basically represented like the edge of the known world. It's as far as you could possibly go. So what Jonah was doing is he was heading as far as he could get away from, from where God was calling him to go. And he got on this little boat to do it. Realized he was not getting on a boat that was like, you know, a carnival cruise line, Right? He wasn't hitting golf balls in the morning, you know, hey, we're headed to Tarshish and having a, you know, a meal in the afternoon and a, you know, some kind of uh, show or something like that at night. He was on this little boat that would have taken months probably, maybe even a year uh, to get there. And so he said, he not, not, Jonah not only said, I'm not going to go to Nineveh, he also headed essentially 2,000 miles in the opposite direction. And here is essentially what Jonah said. Here's what he said. Jonah said, God, I still believe in you, but I'm not going to do what you're asking me to do. You ever been there? You ever been at one of those places in life where you say, God, I I still believe in you, absolutely, but I'm not going to do that. I mean, that's crazy. God, I still believe in you. I'm, I'm, I'm still going to come to church and, and that sort of thing. I'll still do that, but, but I'm not going to go talk to them. God, I'll still come and serve. I'll come to my campus and I'll still read the Bible or underline things in my Bible, all that kind of stuff. But I'm not going to do that because, God, what I feel like you're calling me to do, what I feel like this leading that you have in my life, God, if I do that, it's going to mess up my plans. What you're calling me to do could seriously mess up my career. It could mess up some of my friendships, the person I'm dating. It could mess up some of my finances. So what happens is when we see things differently than God, what happens to you and what happens to me and what happens to Jonah is we decide to take off and head in our own direction. And oftentimes we go to some pretty odd and some pretty unsafe places. 
As I'm reading through this, you know, preparing, I'm thinking, you know, about Jonah and him running. I'm thinking to myself, Jonah, if you're going to run away from God, don't get on a boat, right? I mean, keep some ground, some earth beneath your feet. I mean, getting on a boat, that seems so dangerous. That seems a little bit crazy, out of control. But yet that's what he does. He puts himself in a very dangerous situation. And what I have found, actually, as a pastor and talking to people, and what I have found in my own experience as a runner and maybe you'll be able to resonate with this, is that oftentimes when we decide to run away from God, what happens is later on we look back on that season and and we say things like, what was I thinking? What was I thinking during that season? And the people around us who love us and care for us, and they start saying things like, you're going to date him? You're going to marry her? You're moving where? You bought what? And what happens when you run and I run and Jonah runs, we run to some crazy, oftentimes dangerous places. Isn't it true, Parkview, don't, don't raise your hand or stand up or say amen or anything like that, but isn't it true that some of your biggest regrets in your life probably come from seasons while you were running from God? It's just true. We run to some odd and unsafe places. But here's another thing that happens when we decide to run away from God. This is the second thing. If you're taking notes, life begins to unravel. When we decide to go our own way, life just begins to unravel. Now, it doesn't always do that immediately, but eventually. Eventually, things kind of begin to fall apart. As I'm reading through chapter 1 over and over and over, there are at least three things that I see that happen to Jonah. When he decides to run from God, his life kind of begins to fall apart. And these are sequential things. They kind of build on each other. And and so I want to share these with you today because I think we can learn from Jonah's life. And maybe you've had a season of running from God or you know somebody who's running from God. And and, and you can begin to have this diagnostic of, of where's my life in this and how is my life beginning potentially to unravel. Here's what begins to happen when we do this. First of all, as life begins to unravel, we stop hearing God's voice. One of the first things is you'll just stop hearing God's voice. If you still have your Bible there, Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, it talks about the word of the Lord coming to Jonah, right? Chapter 1, verse 1, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah. And the reason it's the words of God is because Jonah's listening. He's listening to God. So God just speaks to him. But if you get down just a few verses later, like in verse 5, it's no longer God's words. It's the works of of God that are coming to Jonah. He, God, Jonah's not listening anymore to God's word, so God now uses his works. He uses the wind and the rain and the storm and the sea. God uses whatever he can because he's not listening to his words to start to bring Jonah back to him. That's what he starts to do. H- have you ever had one of those seasons in your life where you feel like, Maybe you said it out loud, maybe not. You just kind of felt like, you know what, I, I feel like the world is against me. I feel like all nature is just against me. You ever felt that way? Guess what? If you've ever felt that way, it could be true. It could be true. Based on the book of Jonah, well, what could happen in your life and in my life is sometimes we harden our hearts to the words of God. And so God starts to use his works rather than his words to get our attention, to do whatever he can to bring us back to him. 
And when we stop hearing God's voice and his words, the next thing that starts to happen in a sequential order is this. We start to confuse opportunity with God's blessing. We aren't hearing his voice the way maybe we did, and we start to confuse opportunity with God's blessing. Now, I'm going to say something to you here for the next few minutes. I'm going to try and unpack something. And I just want you to know this, Parkview. As soon as I get into this, it's going to sound wrong. As soon as I start to say this, what I'm going to share with you is going to kind of, it's going to go against the way so many of us were raised to believe, how I was brought up to believe. And, but I think it's important for us to digest this and understand this from chapter 1 of Jonah. And, and here it is. Are you ready for it? Favorable circumstances do not always equal God's will. Favorable circumstances in your life do not always equal God's will or God's leading or God's blessing in your life. Maybe another way to say it is like this. There will always be a ship in the harbor ready to take you in the wrong direction. There just will be. I think back to Jonah, right? Let's keep pulling Jonah truths out of chapter 1. Jonah, remember this, is running away from God. He's running away from God's leading in his life. But yet he goes down there to the port of Joppa, and, and there's, there's a ship there just waiting for him. Pretty amazing, right? I mean, maybe God put the ship there. Maybe God wants him to get on the ship, right? I mean, it's there. It's waiting. It's headed a long way away. And also, Jonah has money. Remember, this trip isn't going to take just a few days or weeks. It's going to take months or maybe a year. So this trip is going to cost a lot of money. But God has actually even given him the money. He's given him the resources. Maybe God wants him to use the money to get on the boat. Maybe that's why he gave it to him. And then remember this, after he gets on the boat, and Jonah, what's, what's he do? He goes down beneath, and he's underneath in the, in the bowels of the boat, and he is sleeping like a baby. All while he is running away from God. He can still feel pretty good, pretty chill. He can actually sleep. And I don't know about you, but for me, that is kind of, this, this whole deal is kind of disturbing it's sobering because for so much of my life, I've had people say things like this to me. Todd, okay, if God is in it, if the Holy Spirit is in it, it's just going to flow. It's, it's, it's going to be smooth. It's going to be easier. And, and here's the thing. Oftentimes that is true. But it's not always true. Here's the thing. You and I can actually be running away from God in our lives and yet still for a season feel like everything is pretty cool. Everything's going all right. Even while we're running away from God's leading. And I know right now some of you are thinking, some of you are looking back at me saying, I wish you hadn't told me that. Todd, why do you got to tell us this kind of stuff? Right, because you start thinking, you know, I wonder then if, if the blessings and am I, am I following after God's leading and am I really in, in line with him and, and all the things that he has for my life or am I kind of just doing my own thing? Am I mistaking, you know, his leading with just opportunities that, have I had, that I've had in my life? And, 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 and let me share with you just another third thing, one of the diagnostics on how kind of the progression on how we can see if we're doing that and if our life is actually beginning to unravel. Here's the, the third thing, and that is this, that you will hurt those who are close to you. 
If you are running from God, if you're not hearing his voice and that sort of thing, if you're mistaking opportunities for, for God's blessing, you will begin to hurt those who are close to you, who are close to us. We always do that. And so look around your life. I mean, think about the sailors, right, with, with Jonah. Their lives were adversely affected by Jonah's decision to run and do his own thing. I mean, think about it right there, you know, at the beginning, like verse 5, they start dumping all their cargo into the sea. And, and so that means when they get to the port, wherever that is, they're not going to have anything to sell. So they throw it in the sea. They're not going to have anything to sell. Whoever's employed them is going to be all upset because they lost all the cargo. And they're also not going to have any money from that cargo. So they lost all this money. They lost all the cargo. That means they're probably going to lose their jobs. So they lost the cargo. They're probably going to lose their jobs. But right now they're not even really worried about that because they're getting ready to die. They're getting ready to lose their lives. And, and listen, this, this, this is so huge. This is so huge part of you. Listen, all they did, all they did was let a guy who was running from God get on their boat. That's all they did. Man, that's so challenging to me. It's so sobering to me. I started thinking, you know, how do we apply this to our lives and how do we live this out this week? What do we take with us? And so let me just take a moment and, and what, what this could look like in our lives around here at Parkview on all, all of our campuses. Let me for just a moment talk to the men, men of Parkview. You know what, men, if you are running from God in your family, in your marriage, if you are uh, resisting God's leading in your life, men, if you are hiding things from God, guess what, your, your wife and your kids, they will be affected by that. I mean, you can pray for God to protect them and, and God, because he is good and gracious, I'm, I'm sure he uh, eventually will, but they will still be affected by your choices. And ladies, it's the same way for you, by the way, in your marriage, in your family. When you decide to go and do your own thing, your family will be affected by that. The single folks... Those who are single on all of our campuses, I know there's all kinds of people who gather at Parkview each weekend. There's all kinds of single people who gather at Parkview because, you know, single, single people like single people and they like to be, any, they like to be around single people. Uh, anyway, so anyway, single people around here. So, so let me, single people, let me talk to you for just a moment. Um, do you know why your friends sometimes get so upset with you when you start dating a certain person? They get so upset with you because they know that your heart may be right, your motives may be right, your motives may be pure, but they know that if you start to hang around someone who is running from God, there's going to be trouble in your life. And so they get upset with you and they talk to you and they maybe kind of say all kinds of things to you about this person that you really like and this person you're dating, this person you're hooking up with. That's why they do that. Teenagers, students, all around Parkview, let me talk to you for a moment. Do you, students, do you know why your parents sometimes just kind of start to freak out when you start to like hang out with certain friends? Do you know why they do that? It's because your parents know that if you start to hang around other kids who are just ignoring God, if you start to run with other people who are running from God, there's going to be trouble. There's going to be trouble, and they know that, and they care about you. And so sometimes parents will say some, you know, crazy things, but they mean it in a good way because they love you, and they care about you. But listen, Parkview, whenever we start to go our own way, our lives are going to start to unravel, and there's a progression to that. Let me put these up again just in case you didn't write them down. First of all, we stop hearing God's voice. 
We start to confuse opportunity with God's blessing. And then we hurt those who are close to us. And I know as we've studied so far in Jonah chapter 1, it's all kind of downhill. It's all kind of bad news for those who are running for Jonah. But I guess the good news that I would have to share with you as we begin to wrap this up and head out into a new week is the good news is it's not all bad news for people who run. The good news is this, that when Jonah runs, when I run, when you run, God doesn't just set up in heaven and cross his arms and say, okay, have a good run. See you again. Never. He doesn't do that. You know what God does? We find from the book of Jonah, we find that God, in his epic grace, in his mercy, will actually involve himself in your life. And he will do whatever it takes to bring you back to him. And Parkview, do you know, do you know why God provided the storm in Jonah chapter 1? Do you know why God provided that fish for Jonah to be in? Do you know why God did that? Closer to home. Do you know why God will allow the unbelievable circumstances that happen in your life? Do you know why God sometimes will actually mess with your money? Do you know why God will sometimes mess with your career? Do you know why God will sometimes mess around with even your health and your well-being? Do you know why God does that? It goes back to this third thing I want us to know from Jonah today. And that is that God actually gets involved in our lives, not to pay us back, but to bring us back. As I think about this weekend and all kinds of people, we've all come from different places this week and gather in here this weekend. And, and here's the honest truth. I'm not even sure that all of you are going to believe what I'm getting ready to say to you. But yet I feel like God wants me to say it. Some of you are in a stormy season of life. Some of you have been running from God for a while, you're, you're actually, you're pretty upset with God right now. And so you're kind of doing your own thing. But here, here's what I just feel like I got to say to you. God loves you. God loves you. So much. That believe it or not, he will actually get involved in the little tiny details of your life. Not to pay you back, but to bring you back to him. God's goal is never to pay you back, but to bring you back to him. And let me tell you some little secret about God. That when we start to take off and we start to run and do our own thing, let me tell you something else about God. This is so interesting. God doesn't really chase you. When you and I start to run, God doesn't chase you. He doesn't say, hey, hey, wait up. Where are you headed? He doesn't chase you. God just goes ahead and waits for you. He goes ahead of you and waits for you. Because here's another little secret about God. He already knows where you're going to run. He already knows. So what he does is he just goes ahead of you and he waits for you 
where he knows you will end up. And what's amazing is for some of you, I know you've been, you've been running from God for weeks or maybe for months or years, and some of you are thinking, Todd, try decades, okay? Decades, right? And what you've discovered is you can run from God, but you can't outrun God. And what's amazing is no matter where you are today in life, you and God have collided right here in this place, in this room. God knew you would be here today. He's not surprised. God knew I would be here. He knew we'd be talking about Jonah chapter 1, and God has collided right here with you. That's amazing to me, and I want, to know, I want you to know something. Listen, God's not mad at you. He doesn't want to pay you back. But believe me, he will do whatever he has to do to bring you back to him. And maybe you're experiencing that even in this room today. Here's the next step for this week. Here's the next step for us. What is one area of your life where you're running from God? Just thinking about it today, this afternoon, this week, what's one area where you're running from God? One area where you're saying, you know, listen, God, I still believe in you. Absolutely, I still believe in you. But my friends are my friends. I'm not going to change around my friends or who I'm hanging with or who I'm dating. God, I still believe in you, but that's mine. Or God, I still believe in you, but my resources or my finances are my finances. What is one area where you know that you're resisting God or, or you're hiding from God? And then I would say this to you. Would you allow... Would you allow this weekend, the second weekend in July, 2017, would you allow this to be the weekend that you look back on someday and say, that was the weekend where I stopped running. That was the weekend I stopped running. And I began to come back to God and listen to his voice in my life. Would you allow this study in the life of Jonah over the next few weeks to be a catalyst to bring you back to God and hearing his voice clearly. It's going to be an incredible series and study in Jonah's life, and I hope you'll be a part of the whole thing. Let's pray together. God, thanks for today. Thanks for the opportunity that you give us to come and to gather up at a place like this and to sing and to just think about you. and God, thank you so much for your word and thank you for the book of Jonah that again, God, so many of us have heard, whether we've been around church a lot or not, we've heard this story. But God, I pray today that, that you would have spoken into our hearts and you would have challenged us and brought some conviction to our lives if necessary. But God, ultimately, that you would, you would let us uh, rest in this good news. The good news of no matter how many times we've run or no matter how far we have run. You're going to do whatever you need to do with your works, with your words, to bring us back to you. God, that's good news. Help us during this series to hear your voice more clearly. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this song that we're going to hear and how it describes our life and your goodness. We love you. Thanks for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.